and welcome to PodSpot, the UK's only HubSpot themed podcast. A bi-weekly look at the latest updates from HubSpot and practical hints and tips directly from the mouths of HubSpot users and partners. And in today's case, uh, directly from HubSpot. Uh, this week, we're talking about the HubSpot story from the early days of lead gen and inbound marketing uh, through to becoming a fully fledged CRM platform. Uh, we'll also touch on some of the specific concepts and tools, particularly around sales enablement, uh, and answer the question, I hope, uh, does HubSpot support mid-market and enterprise-level businesses? To help me answer all, or some of those questions, no pressure uh, at all, is Carl Jepson, uh, Senior Inbound Sales Professor at HubSpot. Kyle Fantastic to have you join us today. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good stuff. I am going to kick off only because I've been uh, obviously doing a little bit of prep for this podcast. I'm going to kick off with uh, three things that I've learned about <laughs> you. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get it, we'll, we'll, we'll get them off the bat early doors. Uh, number one, you sleep without a pillow. How did you find this out about me? That is sort of creepy. <laughs> Accurate. It's true. Yes. <laughs> Once you're in the HubSpot CRM, it gathers so much data <laughs> on you. Apparently. Uh, you recently started exercising? Yes. Fairly recently. Yeah. It's, it's the last year thing. Last year. Okay. Uh, but I think the most interesting probably out of all of those is you have a master's degree in linguistics. That is, uh, it's good dinner table conversation. Yeah, I'm not using it at all. <laughs> I, I find I'm getting a little rusty there. <laughs> yeah, right. All of the things that you need, though, to be uh, a HubSpot expert, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I, look, I think it's, it's kind of worth, uh, you know, starting off at the beginning, if you like. So for those who, who kind of don't know or, or maybe don't uh, spend any time on LinkedIn, um, could you just give us a bit of a rundown on what you do uh, with HubSpot and kind of how you ended up where you are? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I, I work at HubSpot Academy. HubSpot has this sort of educational branch where we just create free online courses. Uh, my main job is to create uh, courses to teach people how to use Sales Hub, which is HubSpot's collection of sales tools. Um, by extension, I create also just general sales education, sales best practices, uh, for sales reps, sales managers, uh, operations a little bit, uh, all of that. Uh, so that's kind of my, that's the thing HubSpot pays me to do. But the thing I'm starting to be more known for is uh, I love posting videos to LinkedIn. Uh, HubSpot, our, our product team doesn't follow any sort of formal sprint. Uh, we release features pretty much every day, at least on a weekly basis. And um, it's hard for people inside HubSpot to keep track of it. It's really hard for people outside HubSpot to keep track of it. So I've just started making short little one to two minute LinkedIn videos, hyping new features as they come out. And uh, I, I'm, I've been on a pretty good streak of posting one every business day for a while now. Uh, there's, there's always something new to talk about at HubSpot. So if you follow me on LinkedIn, uh, you'll be getting a, a nearly daily dose of, of product updates there. And that's that's what I do for fun, I guess. I'm not a very well-rounded person. <laughs> oh, they're great videos, though, and it's exactly what um, I guess more businesses should do on LinkedIn. Uh, they're just kind of easy, quick, accessible, uh, and interesting and useful, right? Yeah, I hope so. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> so how long have you been with HubSpot? I joined, actually, today. Well, I don't know when this will be published, but we are recording on June 1st. Uh, 2022. Today is my seventh year anniversary. I've been at HubSpot. Uh, I joined yeah. June 1st, 2015. Wow. 
So you've seen some uh, some change over that time. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> What's I mean, what, what has been the, the, the kind of change, right? Because uh, I think it still comes up a fair amount in conversations that we have around HubSpot that people still see HubSpot to an extent as uh, where its roots are, right? In kind of inbound marketing, lead gen, uh, and there's I guess a, to an extent an ongoing conversation around what is HubSpot now. Yeah. So what, what have you seen as the kind of big changes over that time that you've been with HubSpot? Yeah, well, I joined, like I said, in June 2015. I was on a support team um, and HubSpot had just launched its CRM and kind of first few sales enablement kind of features at uh, Inbound uh, the, the year before. So Inbound 2014, Inbound is our big annual event. It usually happens in uh, the fall in Boston. And uh, so the, the CRM, when I joined, uh, it was less than a year old. Historically, before that, HubSpot had always been marketing tools. Um, it, it launched in, in 2006 with this idea of inbound marketing. You should market in a way that's uh, enjoyable and helpful for people, try to attract them to you. Uh, we, we grew from a, a very limited set of marketing tools to kind of a very robust, full marketing automation and, and social media management platform. Um, but HubSpot has always been very focused on small and mid-sized businesses. Uh, that's where our heart is. Uh, we, we don't have any interest in, you know, if you're Amazon or Boeing or we don't want you to be our, our customer. <laughs> we we want to help little people compete against those companies, right? And so uh, we've, we've been there for a long time and around 2014, probably even earlier, but I, I wasn't there yet. So I don't know exactly when it started. We came to this realization a lot, a lot, a lot of our customers didn't have a CRM at all. Um, Salesforce was an early investor in HubSpot. So we built a very robust Salesforce integration early on. And there's kind of this assumption that you were using Salesforce as your, as your CRM and, and, and HubSpot as your, your marketing tools. Uh, but we found out that just wasn't true. Uh, it, a lot of our customers, if they were using anything, they were using a spreadsheet. And uh, <laughs> That just seemed crazy to us. <laughs> and so we, we decided we were just going to launch this lightweight, free CRM, right? Uh, we already had a contacts database. We we're going to expand that out, give you a way to track companies, give you a way to track your sales opportunities. And, um, and so we, we came out with that in 2014. And, and like I said, there were some lightweight tools to go along with it. We had a, a tool called Sidekick, which was just uh, a, basically a Chrome extension the sales reps could use to track their emails uh, that they were sending and their link clicks and stuff. Um, and from there, just uh, meeting the needs of our customers as they adopted it and, and, and found, like bumped into limitations, we, we grew it and grew it and, until it became a, a now it's, it's, a, it's a very robust CRM system. HubSpot itself, which is 7,000 person company, uses it. That we, we left Salesforce and, and moved on to HubSpot a few years ago. And um, it is, it, it's, it's incredible the things you can do in it. And we have since... In more recent years expanded, we now have Service Hub, which is tools for like help desk and feedback and live chat. And, and we have a CMS Hub if you, if you need a CMS. And, and we, we just came out with Operations Hub a couple years ago, which is all these kind of like data management tools. And, and the platform keeps expanding. And we've really leaned into building a marketplace of integration so that uh, still we're focused on, focused on small and mid-sized businesses. But that the definition of that is becoming much, much bigger. We have plenty of, you know, 2,000 person companies using HubSpot and and really enjoying it as a CRM system. So uh, that's... that's and, and that market's maturing, right? I mean, yeah. some of the smaller businesses that you've worked with earlier 
are maturing into now fairly significant businesses. Absolutely. You have, you know, I had a conversation recently where um, someone said they adopted HubSpot uh, on the basis that they were going to get a more grown-up solution when they got bigger. But as they got bigger, they've just adopted HubSpot and it's met all their needs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would, I don't know when we started shifting our thoughts around the CRM, but I, I would say a, a couple of years into the CRM <laughs> uh, play, uh, probably like 2017 or something, we started realizing people liked our CRM, but it did have this perception of you could outgrow it, right? It was great for a small business. It was great for a startup. Um, it was good because it was cheap. Um, but once you actually wanted to scale and hit growth, then you would abandon HubSpot and go to one of the incumbents. We didn't like that. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we, yeah, so we started figuring out how to solve that problem. And that was about the time we moved on to HubSpot. And I'll, I'll tell you honestly, um, the Hub, HubSpot CRM system was not ready for an organization the size of HubSpot yeah. to be running on it when we moved to it. Um, but it was a very useful stress test for it. And we as an organization ran into all these pain points, like good heavens, like, how do you do this? Can you do that? Where is this thing? Why did that not work? And, and so now we've been building and building and building really rapidly because we have to solve for our own problems. And by, by extension, that solves for our, our customers' pro problems and gives them more of a, a runway to growth. And still, like, still, again, if, if you are a, a 10,000 person company, a 20,000 person company, if you're in the Fortune 500 or, or you know, whatever, Probably, no, you don't want to use HubSpot. <laughs> but uh, if, if you are, are, are an ambitious company that wants to grow, um, if, you're, if you're scaling up, uh, you, you are who we want to help. We want to help you achieve scale. Um, and if you're, you're going to grow into that you know, 2,000, 3,000 person company, we, we can, we'll go with you all the way. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting kind of space really at the moment, I think, isn't it, where HubSpot, is getting into the conversation that people, with, with, with business leaders who are looking at CRM, and I use that in a, in a kind of loose sense, CRM tools, right? Because there's so many platforms, aren't there, that are, are trying to kind of meet those needs, whether it's you know someone like a monday.com expanding from a very limit, limited set of tools now calling themselves a CRM, or at the other end, <laughs> I guess, is, is typically Salesforce, where... Again, there's a there's a there's a kind of different set of tools, really. I guess, and and how HubSpot actually HubSpot has a very kind of fixed way of doing things in in a way. But actually, as you go into that sort of mid market enterprise level space, you have to offer a degree of customization for those kind of complex use cases. And it's an interesting balance to try and find, I think. Yeah, for sure. And and you're right. So it's interesting looking at the CRM space because there are a lot of different players, and they're all kind of playing different games <laughs> like there is not just one sense of what it means to be a crm like crm is such a hot category to be a part of right now uh, like you said monday.com is expanding into that space zendesk gets standed into it a survey or uh, mailchimp you know everybody claims to have some sort of crm system and, and and then on the other hand you have you know salesforce and dynamics and these huge uh, companies that have been in the game for a long time um, but they, they've been playing it through acquisition, right? Like, oh, CRM now needs to have a marketing tool. Well, we will buy a marketing tool and just kind of glue it on over here. And oh, and you need a help desk tool. We'll buy one of those and glue it on over here. And, and I think the thing that makes HubSpot really unique in the space is we've, we've built everything from scratch. We have, we have not built our CRM through acquisitions. Um, we we have, have crafted it to be a single unified system um, from, from the ground up. And so... The whole kind of promise of HubSpot is that it's 
one consistent UI, a single database underneath, um, and uh, and we're we're growing that way, uh, which is, is is pretty different from how a lot of our competitors are growing. And do you think that that approach uh, helps with these kind of bigger organizations where there are more complex tech stacks, more complex data stacks, data requirements. You know, certainly for us in the work we do, uh, almost every conversation when you're trying to establish the challenge that a business is going through, the, the, the phrase comes up, single source of truth. Right. Right. <laughs> and not only that, kind of um, getting all your processes aligned and making sure that uh, information shared in a kind of timely manner, all these things that are critical to small and medium business-sized businesses, but also much larger organizations that have much bigger, more complex webs of problems. Actually, I think HubSpot kind of solves those problems in a, a much slicker way, if you like, than <laughs> something like a kind of Salesforce, right? Yeah, and, and that's that's the hope. Uh, our, our, in general, like we, we pride ourselves on on our, our consumer grade UI and, and like our consistent, uh, you know, the, if you if you change a property in one part of the system, the, the process to change a property in another part of the system is going to be exactly the same, right? And and we really we really love uh, the simplicity of, of our system. Uh, one of, kind of one of our founding thoughts was, uh, you can't. How's it go? <laughs> you can't take complexity. You can't add simplicity in. You have to take complexity out, right? And we've just been working to simplify, simplify the CRM experience for a long time. And I think so many CRMs um, were built with like management and executive teams in mind, right? Like we're going to build this system that they can use to pull out the the charts, the reports they need for business intelligence to make decisions and stuff. We don't really care if it's any fun for the salespeople to use, right? Like the managers will figure out how to get the data in there, and we'll and and we we flip that on the head. Like, no, like how can we make a system that'll help sales reps do their job? And that little sidekick extension I talked about, like one of the key things it did was you send emails from Gmail or Outlook, and they just automatically get recorded in the CRM, right? You don't have to do that additional step of and and we have at every step of the way tried to find ways that we can make the CRM something sales reps wanted to adopt, something that made their jobs easier. Because if they adopt it, then the data is there and the reports are there and like everybody higher in the hierarchy wins, right? But that 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 piece of adoption uh, is so hard for so many CRM systems. And, and we struggle with it too, but we do better than a lot because we are trying to, to make the end users have a pleasant experience. It's almost uh, arguably the same as trying to find customers where they actually are and give yeah. them what they need. Yeah. <laughs> how, how dare you? Yeah, kind of this inbound approach to, to product development, I guess. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, just actually, interesting. I, I, want, I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper on, uh, I guess, some of the kind of sales and marketing alignment stuff that you've, you're well known for, I, I suppose. Um, but again, looking at those slightly larger organizations, what, what, what do you see as kind of the additional challenges in sales and marketing alignment when once your company starts to scale a little bit? Yeah, so I, I mean, kind of tale as old as time is, is marketing and sales don't communicate with each other at all. Or if they do, they communicate poorly, which is sometimes worse. <laughs> uh, and, and what you have is this situation where, especially if they're operating in different systems, 
right? Marketing is over in its marketing automation platform and man, they're running campaigns and they're generating leads and they're, they're hitting all their numbers for traffic and stuff. And sales is over in their CRM and they're, they don't know that the marketing team even exists. Maybe like, they certainly don't behave as though those leads are, are anything of value. They're outsourcing their own leads and, and doing their own work. And, uh, marketing all the time is like, hey, we're sending you these leads. And, and sales is like, those aren't leads. Those are something else, some marketing thing. Uh, we'll just get our own leads. And, uh, and, and so that's a, a real problem for a lot of companies, especially once they achieve a certain level of scale. I mean, if you are just a five-person sales team and one marketer, like alignment is not easy, but it's simpler than if you're entirely you know, you're both departments and you're rolling up to different VPs in, in an international organization, right? And at that scale, if the communication isn't happening, it's very hard to, to make it happen. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, HubSpot has talked about sort of philosophically around sales and marketing alignment, around creating a, a service level agreements where uh, marketing and sales agree. They, they work together to, to define what a qualified lead is. And then marketing generates a certain number of those qualified leads each month or quarter, whatever period you use. And sales, for their part of the agreement, contacts every single one of them within a certain amount of time. And, and what happens as you start to do that and you get more data behind it is that you can actually get sales and marketing sharing goals, like a single unified revenue goal that they're both working to. Each team, of course, will still have their own personal metrics they're sh shooting for. Um, but you know, marketing, once, once you've got those, those lead definitions so good and so clear and, and concrete that, uh, you know, what the close rate will be, you know, what the conversion rates will be, you can start uh, attributing revenue amounts per lead, right? Oh, a lead that is, it meets these qualification standards and takes these actions on the website. It, it closes at roughly this rate, buys an average of this much stuff. We, we can apply a, a, a dollar value or a pound value or whatever kind of value you use um, to that. And, uh, and now marketing can be on a quota just like sales, right? And now they, they function more like a single team. In reality, they will be separate teams still. They need different leaders who can help them grow in their individual skills, right? The skill sets of a, a salesperson are very different than the skill sets of a marketer. But if you have them rallied around this single set of goals, then, uh, then the company as a whole is going to grow better. And then underneath all that, underneath that philosophical piece, if you then have HubSpot or, or, or some unified system uh, where, <laughs> you know, all of those contacts that, uh, that marketing, all those leads marketing is generating live in a single database and sales is, is, is accessing that same database and all the activities from both teams and all the communications from both teams are stored on a single record and, and there is that one source of truth you're talking about, now all that philosophical theory that HubSpot's been talking about for years can become a reality, right? Because without that visibility, it's great if marketing is, is generating leads that meet sales qualifications, but if sales can only see them if they export the spreadsheet and import it into their system or, or, or if there are duplicated records or, or if there's two different places to look, um, it's, it's just it's no, never going to work. I think there's a, a really interesting point there as well is about once you, once you get that transparency or once you get that kind of MI, if you like, on, on, on sales and marketing, you can then actually start to, to play with that, right? You can pull the levers. You can dial that up or down into from a marketing perspective and yeah. you can uh, start to forecast. And whether that's just forecasting budgets or whether that's forecasting resource, headcount, whatever it might be, 
you start to get uh, a, a real sense of how to run the business. Yeah, absolutely. And and forecasting is is a thorn in the side of a lot of leadership teams uh, just because you can't forecast accurately if you don't have, for one thing, good data, and for another thing, an established, repeatable process, right? If, if there's no process, it doesn't matter what data you're collecting, you're not going to be able to forecast anything. Um, but if there's no data, then no matter how robust your process is, you, you don't have the numbers necessary to, to project into the future how it's going to go. But you bring those two things together and, uh, and then, yeah, those, those forecasts can come into place. And now you can start making real business decisions about where we're going to be six months from now and what we want to accomplish when we get there. And, and it, it changes everything. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting point about kind of having established processes and things. I think a lot of the work that we do uh, is, is actually outside of HubSpot, right? Uh, it's about understanding, okay, what, what is your process? You know, what are you trying to achieve and how do you plan to achieve it? What does that process look like? What's your lead routing like? Uh, and actually getting all that down on paper. And it's surprising how few businesses have that level of detail on how they operate. But then actually having that, that sort of business insight, I guess, before you're then applying that into HubSpot and making that actually easier for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because my job is to teach people how to use Sales Hub, deal pipelines, deals are what sales opportunities are called in the HubSpot, and it sort of represent your sales process. And figuring that out, nailing it down uh, is is hard for a lot of businesses, particularly in our target market, right? We're, we're, we're focused on these small and mid-sized businesses who want to grow. And if you are um, either a very early stage startup, or if you've just been a small company for a long time, and now you're thinking about growing into to something larger, um, you can't just invent a sales process and say it works, right? Like you've got to go through a few iterations of things that don't really work. And, and as you're figuring out, oh, this is this is how people buy this product. Oh, this is how our sales reps can help. Then you start to get those steps figured out, and and then you can put it into a CRM and you can scale it up. But I think so often with or not not just a CRM, uh, but with any tool, uh, people, ha- you, you know, our, our sales team or whatever team has a, a process problem. We're having a growth problem of some kind. We'll buy the software that will fix everything, right? Well, no, <laughs> you've got you've to gotta figure out your strategy and, and put it in there. And then the tool will help you. The, t- the tool will accelerate you in whatever direction you're going, but it won't tell you what direction to go. Um, it's so often the way with HubSpot as well. I mean, we come across it all the time. Someone's bought the tool. They know it's the right tool for them. Uh, they've seen it work in other businesses, but then they stop. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, actually what they need is that, that, that next step, which is, okay, how can we use this tool? And it, it's, it's one of those problems with HubSpot in that it does so much, actually narrowing it back down to the things that are really going to create an impact or move the dial within your business. I think it's absolutely kind of part of the part of the process. Yeah, for sure. And and that's that's an interesting thing uh, to think about, particularly as HubSpot has been growing and adding so many new features. Um, one, I guess, sort of concrete e- example is custom objects. For a long time, HubSpot had some standard objects, contacts for tracking people and companies for tracking companies and deals for tracking sales and tickets for tracking support requests. And, and kind of our philosophy was, that's all you need. <laughs> we, we don't want to let anybody go because we've seen in so many of the other enterprise CRM solutions, uh, you get an admin in there who just loves creating custom objects and then they leave the company and now you've got dozens of custom objects lying around. Nobody knows what they're for. Nobody's sure what's in there, but nobody wants to delete them because 
It's just scary. And we didn't want to go there, right? Uh, well, now in HubSpot, spoiler, you, you can create custom objects. This has been a thing for a couple of years. But as, as we developed that, um, I, I, was, I was working very closely with the team that was building it because uh, on the one hand, we wanted to give this ability to our, our users, to our customers. But on the other hand, we also wanted to educate them about what it meant. Because all the time, all the time, people are saying, we need custom objects. We can't run our business on HubSpot because we can't track thing X, right? And, and we had no way of judging whether or not that was actually accurate, right? Like, you need a custom object? Some people do, legitimately. Some companies do need custom objects. Others don't. And uh, if you don't need a custom object, you're only going to cause yourself pain by creating them, right? And so we, as we develop the tool, we also develop this kind of framework, this this kind of five-question decision tree you could go through to decide whether or not a custom object was actually what you need, because there are lots of other ways to customize HubSpot also with custom properties and, and some other things like that. And so um, we, it, it just in general, we, we are aware that like, on the one hand, we have to provide tools that let you do the thing you need to do to do business. But on the other hand, especially for companies that are that are in our target market and are hitting this growth space and everything is changing and what they used to do as startups might not work for them anymore. We need to provide them with the education and the, and the, the guidance to create processes that will scale, to, to make decisions before they hop into the tool and start implementing stuff so that the system will actually support their growth. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And you obviously um, speaking to loads of different businesses, I imagine lots of people in leadership roles, sales managers, different people around organizations. What, what, what are you kind of hearing from those guys at the moment in terms of what they want? Because it feels to me like we're getting to a point now where it kind of has everything you need, HubSpot, right? And, <laughs> and, at, the, and at the fringes, you know, there's a lot of work now on integrations. We do a lot of custom integrations. There's the standard ones on Marketplace or whatever you have. But you can expand the capability there into specific kind of sector software or whatever it might be. But you're kind of, you're more or less there, aren't you? Yeah, I, it, it does feel like we're, we're cresting. It feels like we're, we're achieving some significant milestone. I, 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 it, it, internally, HubSpot, seven years. That's the uh, that's the significant milestone. Yeah, externally, you feel it too. It does seem like, well, we did it. We actually pulled it off, right? <laughs> um, and I, I think what you're starting to see now is you're right. Uh, on the there, are, I mean, I think when I think of of the requests I used to get from customers when it was 2015, and I was a support rep. And and like the things you couldn't do with HubSpot, it was it was crazy. Anyone was using it, right? We've come so far, but some of those requests are still kicking around, right? People would love it if uh, on our index pages, where like your contacts, your companies are all listed out, if that was like a spreadsheet and you could do inline editing, right? Like that is the thing people have been asking for since at least 2015. Will we now have the bandwidth to build it because we have uh, created all the big stuff we had to get out of the way? I don't know. Maybe. We can hope. Um, but then also what you're starting to see is is we're, we're kind of planting the seeds of the next big thing for HubSpot. I, I, it's, I, this HubSpot payments thing is, is an interesting thing that we're really investing in in the next few years, which I, I hesitate to bring up here because it's only available in the U.S. right now. But <laughs> I think if you fast forward to 2025, let's say... 
um, and I'm back on this this PodSpot podcast, uh, will be like, wow, how did anyone, why did anyone bother use HubSpot before payments was a thing? Like, what were they even using it for? Um, but now it's just like, it's very early, right? Very small, just trying to lay that foundation so we can grow something bigger there. And I think ultimately that will become one of the key pillars of, of what HubSpot is. It's not just a, 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 an integrated marketing sales customer service tool um, with, with your CMS built into it and stuff. It's, it's this way to, to fully manage the way your revenue is coming in and, and how, how you, you go to market. Um, and that, that will be a big thing, but it's, it's so early, it's, it's hard to tell exactly how it will evolve. Yeah. And, but with, um, uh, as you said, Operations Hub, uh, particularly with kind of data sync, uh, the availability of integrations. Are you seeing more businesses now that are uh, adopting HubSpot as a way to run their business rather than just to run sales and marketing or you know just to run service, whatever it might be? We we are, um, and I am uh, I am always sort of surprised how uh, how many larger companies are are. are for for a long time, it seemed like HubSpot was a system small companies made bets on, right? And like it worked, they grew, hooray! But like they they were small janky companies, they needed a small janky CRM. What we're finding now is so many of the features we're building at this point are to to solve for the needs of our larger companies and for us as our own customer, right? Um, we we need uh, uh, you know robust integrations. We need. Uh, in the last year or so, we've we've put a lot of effort into to governance sorts of things, uh, making sure you're controlling which users have access to the right data and and uh, and and how you have visibility into that. That the sort of like security aspects of of HubSpot that when you're a five person team working out of somebody's living room, you don't really care about because everybody just has access to everything. But once you're five hundred person team, suddenly it matters a lot. Uh, who has access to turn things on and off. And and we've been getting better and better at that. And so, yeah, Operations Hub has been very interesting. Uh, I I got looped into uh, to creating education for that as we were preparing for the launch. Um, and uh, I remember so many of their early meetings, they were like, yeah, so Operations Hub, it's, it's got this data sync thing for integrations. It's got this, uh, you know, the, this custom code workflow actions. It's got this data cleanliness, hygiene stuff. And, and I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, how is this a hub? How are these things related to each other? I, what? <laughs> um, but then it turns out they actually are, right? For someone in operations, these are the things you really care about. How are you getting data into HubSpot and out to other systems? How are you making sure it's consistent across those systems? How are you customizing things for when HubSpot doesn't have standard functionality that meets your needs? Where can you just drop some code to make it work the way you want it? Um, that is what operations people want, right? Particularly at that like 500,000 person, 2000 person company where they're they, they, like HubSpot standard setup set is great, but we really just need to customize these few things and we really need it to play well with these other systems. Um, and so we've been leaning into that a lot. And so it's it's just interesting how as the as our cu cu customers grow, right? As, as we have bigger customers and as our, our software matures, um, and also as I, as, as a, an employee mature and I start to understand like, oh, I, I understand now that there is a person called an operations person and they care about <laughs> things that are way too technical for me to understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, well, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? Because I think it does show where HubSpot's going, right? I mean, traditionally, those of us using HubSpot are either 
salespeople or marketeers. And, and so we're maybe yeah. just a little bit more uh, familiar with the tools, a little bit more willing to just crack on and do things and make things work. And yeah, now you've got these people involved. I mean, certainly I know we've got, uh, you know, clients where operations directors are getting involved in that decision-making. We've got yeah. uh, clients who work within government frameworks or in regulated environments and yeah, kind of data security, governance, permissions is incredibly important now where yeah. you know, those were conversations that we just weren't having uh, previously. I, I'm not sure they're ones I want to spend huge amounts of time on. They're not the nice. exciting sort of sort of sexy <laughs> ones, are they? But uh, you know, they're important nonetheless. Um, so I, I guess you know, looking forward and 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 uh, thinking about HubSpot, then uh, you know, what 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 is it that excites you for the future of HubSpot? Um, I I just love um, I kind of two different things. For one thing. Um, I, it's been about a year and a half since I started publishing these very off the cuff videos on LinkedIn. Um, and I just love, I, I'm so curious to see how, how long can I keep that up, right? Like how long can HubSpot develop software at this velocity that some guy can find something new to say almost every day? Like that is, <laughs> that is a mystery I, I am, I'm very much subscribed to. Um, I expect it to continue for a very long time. Um, and then on the other hand, um, my work with HubSpot Academy the, the thing I really love about working here is um, I can be an educator and I can do it for free, right? HubSpot is making its money off the software, so nobody has to pay for the online courses from HubSpot Academy. And, and as an educator, that's just a really empowering thing. So many ed tech companies have these big ideals about educating the world and, and democratizing learning or whatever. And it's I, I believe in all of that. But they all run into this problem at some point where they're like, and we need to make money. <laughs> and I, I'm never, as long as I'm at HubSpot Academy, I'm never going to face that, right? HubSpot will continue making money off the software because it's good software people are willing to pay for. And then we're going to continue investing in education because we know that helps our customers succeed. As, as I was talking about earlier, there's this strategy philosophy piece that you have to marry to the tools if you're really going to grow. And so um, I, I'm just excited to see how HubSpot Academy evolves. We're, we're growing our headcount a lot. We're getting more specialized and more, more uh, you know, we're, we're getting professors who speak a variety of different languages and we're becoming more of a global force. And we have a lot of things we need to figure out about how do we communicate these ideas across cultures and across languages and, and help everyone succeed and grow better. Um, and so that's, that's an exciting thing to be a part of. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, I think that is probably a good a uh, good way to end. So, uh, Carl, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you for your time. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, super excited to uh, continue to watch your videos on LinkedIn and uh, kind of see where that goes, but also see uh, see where HubSpot takes us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. Cool. Thank you. Uh, you've been listening to PodSpot, the UK's only HubSpot themed podcast this week with Carl Jepson, senior inbound sales professor at HubSpot. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues and tag us on socials and leave a review. If this has been the first episode you've listened to, they are 35 episodes for you to go and get your teeth into on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh